Hello and welcome to And Now for Something Completely Machinima, the podcast about machinima and real-time filmmaking and related technologies. Uh, I am one of your hosts today, Phil Rice. Uh, you know me, uh, you're, I'm the person that you think of everyone, every time someone makes a faux pas in the men's restroom. Yep. That's right. With me is uh, Tracy Harwood because we needed at least one person with a proper education. Hi, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I don't know what the men's restroom looks like. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. You're not missing anything. Um, Damian Valentine, uh, producer of a uh, long run and, and in my opinion, very successful uh, Star Wars theme series. Damian, welcome. Thank you, uh, Ricky. And thank you. Uh, thank you. Phil, and thank you for those very kind words. And Ricky, who is a uh, Elden Ring cheeser of great <laughs> renown. I'm proud of my cheese. All you That's Elden right. Ring cheesers, unite. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to just dive right into some uh, news from Machinima here in a moment. But I just wanted to remind everyone uh, that we love your feedback. Uh, we love it like uh, like Van Gogh loved, because it's it's often unrequited, and uh, and and an unfulfilled feeling because we don't get much of it from you. But we would love to have more, and we've made it I hope as easy as possible for that. If you check out our website completelymachinima.com, there's a section for talk. You can email us. There's a number of other methods that you can use to reach out, and uh, we listen avidly listen avidly for for that feedback from you, and we read every bit of it. And, uh, and listen to it. And, and it has influenced us uh, a great deal so far. So it has. Uh, be sure to drop us some feedback and let us know how we're doing. And, and, uh, or if you have a, a response on a particular topic that we cover in, in this or in any episode, uh, we absolutely would love to hear from you. Um, so we're going to kick off some news here. Uh, Damien, I understand that there's a, uh, a way that listeners might be able to win a laptop. Tell us about that. That's right. And it's not just a laptop. It's an RTX powered laptop. Uh, one of the high end uh, laptops uh, that NVIDIA are promoting for their um, RTX series of graphics cards. Uh, the contest is a machinima contest and you have to use uh, Omniverse uh, and you, you can't just use anything in Omniverse. They kind of want you to use some very specific content, which is characters from the game's squad Mountain Blade 2 and MechWarrior 5. Uh, so you, inside the Omniverse app, you can bring in those assets uh, and you can animate them to uh, tell your uh, story. There are three prizes. One, the first place is the uh, SS ProArt Studio Book 16 RTX 3080 Ti, which is a very impressive laptop you can win there. That's a good uh, one. Second place is another laptop. It's a Razorblade 15 Advanced with RTX 3080. And the third prize is an MSI Creator Z16 with RTX 3070 Ti. And those are all great prizes. Um, they haven't actually started the contest yet, as far as I know. It's, they've announced the contest, but you can't go into it just yet. Um, so that might change between when we record and when this goes out. So check out the details in the show notes to, for the website with all the contest details and uh, see what you can find there. Um, it looks like a, an excellent contest and I yeah. think I'll be giving it a try. 
Uh, any of you guys want to say anything about it? Um, no, it just looks like a really good kind. Of, in fact, the um, uh, graphics technology concert uh, conference um, closed about three weeks ago, and um, Nvidia made all sorts of announcements of new cards, new technology, um, a whole bunch of interesting things that we're going to talk about. You've got another uh, Omniverse thing. Right after that, let me uh, pop in my uh, NVIDIA Omniverse news. That way we can all do it at one time. But Makes sense. Uh, definitely, the, the, one of the cool things about the GTC is if you go to the site, NVIDIA and then GTC, just put that in Google, almost all of the sessions have been recorded. So if you find something interesting, especially the Omniverse sections, um, you can watch, watch them perfectly free. I think you have to register there, but it's no big deal. You know, I'm curious as, as someone who, who repairs and works on laptops, uh, one of the challenges with a laptop running gaming like uh, heat. frame rates is heat. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I have no reason to think that the RTX cards uh, don't run hot when they're being you know, pushed by a game like Elden Ring or something like that. So I'm, I'm curious how, uh, I, I don't know anyone personally yet who's using an RTX laptop. I've run into a lot of gamers who've, who've used other stuff. And that's always one of the challenges is they really have to keep the vents clean of dust. And, you know, you can't, can't set the laptop on your bedspread or something and, and it has to be able to breathe or it's going to really, really heat up and sometimes just shut down. So yeah, yeah. very curious to, uh, with the innovations that are coming with graphics, uh, uh, I hope that there are also innovations coming with regard to cooling, because I think yeah. that, that the faster and, and more powerful these cards get, the hotter they're going to run uh, to some degree. That's a good point, um, Phil. Yeah, so I'm, I'm curious uh, if, if any listener out there ends up having an RTX laptop either by winning this contest or just you, you go out and purchase one. Love to hear your feedback on that topic in particular. That's a very good point about the heat because I'm using an RTX in my desktop. And if I've got Omniverse rendering for any length of time, it gets very warm. And it's, not, it's not dangerous levels of heat. Um, so it's not going to melt the interior, but right. um, it's still, I don't need to put the heating on when it's cold because the desktop <laughs> does the room quite nicely. Wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, next piece of uh, Omniverse news is the latest uh, version of the Create app, which is part of the Omniverse toolset has been released. There are actually two apps that more or less do the same thing. There's Create, which lets you import your scenes and you can play around the lighting and then you can render. Then there's the Machinima app, which does that, but also lets you animate scenes as well. It's got a timeline with um, keyframing and, and all the other animation stuff you can do. And I, I was kind of confused why they have the two because they, apart from the animation thing, they do the same thing. So now Create has been updated with, with all the animation features that Machinima had, which kind of makes hmm. the Machinima app obsolete because it hasn't been updated since last year. Hmm. Hmm. Um, uh, I, it makes sense to merge them into one. I, I don't really mind which way they call it. Uh, I guess I would have preferred them to call it Machinima because, you know, the name. But obviously they're going with Create. Um, so it's new tools for animation within Create. Um, they've <coughs> improved some of the rendering tools. They've added the timeline feature. And there's still a lot more features I'm still learning because it's only just been released. So I haven't had a chance to go through it all just yet. 
Um, so if you're using Omniverse, do check out the new version of Create. Um, it looks like it's a massive improvement over the last release, which was, I believe, November last year. Um, and obviously that there's more to come this year as the, the tool set uh, develops. Yeah. That you've answered that question because I was wondering about the Machinima app as well. Uh, there hadn't been any updates. And when I went to the, they had a press meeting uh, uh, to preview a lot of the technology. And I asked a question, how has uh, uh, the Machinima app developed? I, I said, Are you, do you have any programming? And they, they, <laughs> They sort of hemmed and hawed and they said, well, you know, they're working on it. <laughs> right. Basically, which was like not an answer to the question. But now I understand they seem to be putting all of their efforts into create, um, which would function as a machinima tool, but also as a standard uh, tool uh, for any other program. Like if you come from Maya, 3D Studio Mac, you can use create and it's all the same tools. Yeah. which makes a lot more sense you know yeah it does because yeah, i'm using iclone to animate my projects and i bring them into create to render out and i tried it with machinima as well but i found that the machinima app was a little bit more unstable and yeah. glitchy so i preferred create and because i've already done the animation i didn't really have to worry too much about the animation uh, features of machinima yeah. uh, it seems and, like they've yeah. seems like they've just dropped the machinima app and putting their focus their development focus on um, uh, the create app, yeah. which is okay. I mean, that's fine, but it'd be nice if they would just say, "Hey, you know, we're gonna, we're not gonna develop the other one. We're gonna stay on this." You have to sort of learn by talking to your friends who who do it, like you, instead of officially through their news releases. So, Ricky, you wanted to talk a bit about the yeah. uh, Nvidia conference. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that. Um, since you had you had talked about using uh, Real Illusion, they've released the Actor Core library for the NVIDIA Omniverse. Um, and you use their uh, real-time animation software to take Actor Core content, including characters with AI uh, control. Uh, and, uh, and it's, it's really quite good. Real Illusion and NVIDIA have a close relationship from the beginning. So whatever uh, developments that are going to occur um, in Omniverse, you're going to get uh, this developments with Real Illusion at the same time. They're going to update at the same time. And that's particularly good because uh, this month we, uh, or last month, we had an interview with um, uh, Renee Jacob, who used uh, iClone 7 to create Alien The Message, which is a fan film. Uh, which is sort of a prequel to the original Alien. And he has lots of, by the way, that's a good interview. You can uh, check our uh, completelymachinima.com website for the link to it. And he talks about some of the tricks that he uses. I asked him about the Omniverse thing and he said he just hadn't had time to explore it. But for those who want to explore it, I think it would be very useful. And having the Actor Core library, uh, I think would be quite, quite an interesting development. And then with iClone 8 on the horizon, there are probably going to be new developments there as well. So I think the real illusion NVIDIA synergy is good. And if you want to start making works in uh, iClone and related uh, software, that's a good way to go. Yeah. And the Omniverse, if you're just using Omniverse to render, it doesn't take very long to learn how to do that because you don't have to worry about all the other features. You just bring your scene in, 
you may need to adjust the lighting uh, in um, Omniverse because the, the way lighting in, because the, the ray tracing lighting works differently in Omniverse than the, the regular lighting within iClone. But mm. again, that doesn't take very long to um, play around with and adjust. Uh, most of the time when I do that, the scene I spend about 20 minutes at most just ah, changing the lighting. So that is really quick and very easy to do. So it's definitely worth, if you've got an RTX card, it's definitely worth um, having a look at and exploring for the, the better visual results for your films. Uh, my final piece of news, it's a piece of software called Concept Creator. And it's an AI piece of software for music that creates a animated character and the character models were created with um, iClone and character, well, character creator. And so you've got this animated character sat at a piano and you can bring in some music and the AI will animate the character to play the correct keys of the piano and you get a video which you can watch as they play it. Hmm. Um, so you can bring in uh, MP3 music or you can bring in MIDI music. I've tried both and I found the MIDI music works a lot better because the AI can get oh, yeah. confused by the MP3. Unless you have a piece of music that's just a piano piece of music um, uh, recording, it'll get very confused by all the other instruments. But a MIDI piece of MIDI music works perfectly. And I've created a video of um, the AI playing Kara Remembers from the Battlestar Galactica soundtrack because I thought uh, an AI playing the piano um, from a TV show about AI getting out of control seemed very appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that, that's my news uh, for the week. Um, you can news. check out all the links. Yeah, in my yeah con concert creator is pretty fascinating. Uh, if you've ever seen uh, those kind of overhead view pictures of you know someone playing the piano, and there'll be the light scroll down showing the notes. Rousseau hmm. is, I think, the most popular, uh, very good piano player that does those videos. Uh, you can do that, or you can have it be from any angle showing the full character playing and it's it's pretty pretty decent animation uh, it, it you know looks very uh authentic um there is an rtx mode for it which basically if you crank the settings up can make it hyper realistic looking in terms of the render ray tracing and all of that and the other thing i found fascinating was you could actually interface it with vr ah. so you could you could put this piece of music in there and put use the VR mode and get any angle you want. Like you could be the angle, like you're the one sitting there at the piano looking at the hands or you get up and move around. Um, so it's, 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 it's fascinating. It's, it's very narrow focus. I mean, if you're not a fan of, of the piano, then it's probably not uh, something that gets your blood going, but uh, uh, it's a neat innovation and a very, I think, cool use of that tech. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's fascinating to see how AI has um, become an increasingly interesting tool for art creation absolutely. across the board, either painting, music, uh, graphics, technology, all kinds of interesting things are being done with AI. Absolutely. Did, did anyone an anticipate that? <laughs> did, do, you, do you guys know, did anyone anticipate that? Uh, I mean, like, you know, AI has been talked about in literature and movies and all that for years before it became, yeah. you know, almost reality here. Or, I mean, we are starting to taste the real thing. It's not self-aware or anything like that. But 
I don't ever remember any of those discussions though being about art. They, uh, you can trace it back to very early days, in fact, in the digital yeah. art movement. And, and I think AI, early AIs have been used for a very long time. Wow. And, it's, and it's really only now that they've become more sophisticated in the types of data that they can handle that you've seen people doing um, things with large, you know, really large data sets. And, and you know, things like deep, uh, Google Deep Dream was a bit of a game changer. 2015, that came out. Mm -hmm. um, but people have been playing with it for years. Um, that was something I was totally unaware. Six, I'm going to show time. myself as a huge nerd now. And there was an episode of Star Trek where Data is learning how to paint. And Riker comes in because Geordie is the one that's teaching him how to, how to paint this picture. And Riker says, um, this, we live in a world where a blind man can teach a robot how to paint art. <laughs> <laughs> I vaguely remember that episode. Yeah. But you know, one of my other my other big um, things is I run an art AI festival called the Art AI Festival, and I, and wow. really, the, what my my remit with that has been is to try and help people better understand what AIs are capable of through art. Uh, and we had this last year. We've just run a ten month program, which literally just came to an end at the end of March. Um, and we've had everything from deep fakes to facial recognition to, um, uh, well, uh, Google's um, um, cellular automata have been part of that as well. Um, Chatbots, robots, uh, you know, you name it. We've, wow. we've tried to show- It's been a real explosion here the past year or two. I imagine you guys sure have has. a lot to talk about lately. My goodness. <laughs> It's been a big program and stuff. Now it's about what what to leave out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, about. next year, what I'm doing because because through it we've become part of the national UK National Science Festival network. And next year, when I run the, the festival again next year, what we're going to have as our main theme is how can this be a sustainable technology? Mm. Uh, because I think that's one of the biggest questions that really emerged through it. Yeah. Um. To to your points, really about. The tech heats up when you try and do stuff with large files and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, right. That's not make really. Sure you very... include a, make sure you include a link to the festival in our show notes. Sure, so we'll do. So interested. Are any of the se sessions or presentations archived on video? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been running a YouTube channel on it as well. We've had everything from performances online, um, a, a robot. Um, doing a jazz um, improv performance nice. with, with a musician, apparently a world first, um, to people uh, um, doing comedy improv performance as well um, with an AI. Um, and that actually has had a little bit of machinima content in it as well. Because, hmm. cool. um, so, you know, machinima has a role in it. Um, it's just that I've not really managed to find anybody that's, that's working in that domain specifically with um ai just yet but hopefully next year we can include something yeah ricky i understand that a film that we've discussed on a previous episode uh is now available on a uh, new platform tell us about yep. that phil tippett we had talked about his uh lifelong work on a uh, stop motion animation film called mad god uh, the trailer of which is has to be seen to be believed <laughs> it's uh, complete now and he's been trying to shop it around 
I, I guess it ties in because it's it's a it's a based on the trailer. It's a strange film. I guess you could say it's experimental, which which will uh, tie into a discussion that we're going to have in our film section this month about experimental machinima. Uh, but I, I think that could be the reason why he's had a hard time finding a home. But he finally found uh, a, a streaming network called Shutter which I subscribe to, Lisa and I, my partner Lisa and I, who's a horror writer, subscribe to, and it's great. They've got tons of fantastic cutting edge horror on there. And it makes sense because there's a lot of horror elements in Mad God. But he finally found uh, the complete film on Shutter TV. I believe it's a subscription, but it's a low fee subscription. I think $4.99 or something like that. Plus, if you just wanted to watch Mad God, you could sign on for the, uh, I think it's got a seven-day trial. Um, you could do the seven-day trial, watch Mad God, and then if you just, uh, I have a feeling you'll want to stay on because it's got tremendous content on it. But if you don't, you could sign out just to watch Mad God because this is, um, uh, Phil Tippett, uh, if you don't remember, he's a, a VFX uh, extraordinaire in, um, uh, Star Wars, Starship Troopers, and many others. And in his spare time, he's been working on this really strange stop motion film. And stop motion is hard to do. Um, and he is just a genius at it. And Mad God is now complete and it's available to stream on Shutter TV. Yeah, I know a few uh, horror fans and uh, they all rave about Shutter that it's like, you know, it's it just, they can't believe it exists. It's so good. There's such a great collection of stuff. Uh, so that's great. That's awesome. Yep. It'll probably be a channel that I avoid like the plague of. <laughs> 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 but it's great that it exists because it kind of, you know, gets it all over there out the way. <laughs> uh, well, Tracy, we've talked on a previous episode of, uh, very recently, I think, about that there seemed to be a lack of uh competitive uh, contest type environments for yeah. real-time machinima. And we'd kind of concluded there's not any. I think I was the one that said it most definitively, it doesn't exist. Exactly. And then like what, two days later, you went out and proved me wrong. Tell me about it. <laughs> well, I, I clearly lied. <laughs> there is no other way to say it because literally just as we closed last month's episode, um, this real-time shorts competition came to my attention, which, which actually has now closed unfortunately. Um, but this was uh, the first of this kind of competition, which has been hosted by a chap called John McInnes. Uh, and the judges are really interesting in it too. The, um, they include Kim Labrary, who's the Chief Technology, uh, Technology Officer at Epic, um, Matt Workman, Joy Lee, Targa Sehorn, um, Randall Kleiser, Nigel Tierney, all of them, um, that, you know, folks that really know their stuff. Uh, and in fact, the competition was actually really quite an interesting concept when I had a, a bit more of a look at, uh, at it. Um, basically, um, John had made Unreal Engine scene files from one of his creative projects um, available to those that registered for the competition. And then they had something like 30 days in which to create a short. Now, that resulted, uh, as far as I understand it, in something like 179 teams from 26 countries registered. Good grief. Yeah, uh, of which 30 then went on to submit a film. So I think they were a bit nervous about 
the whole process until the, the final sort of stage of it. But 30 films uh, for a first um, competition, I think it's, it's a pretty good result. Uh, and then what they've got from it, I think is pretty fascinating. Um, it's, I think it's a real lesson in, in um, encouraging storytelling, using a lot of different techniques um, to put that story across. Now, I'd recommend you have a look at a few of the films. None of them are very long, they're only about four minutes long. Um, and I'm actually hoping to interview John uh, about the competition, because as far as I understand it, they're already working on a second uh, competition. Um, uh, I don't really know too much, too much kind of more, more about it, but we will put a link in the show notes to the website on which you can see all the winning selections. Um, and one I want to mention when we talk uh, about our films uh, uh, next week as well, um, but also on the YouTube channel, you can find all 30 entries as well. And they're all pretty much um, worth a little look-see. Um, obviously, there's some similarities between some of them because of the way they've been created, but but interesting to have a look. So yeah, that was that was quite interesting. And then the other thing on competitions I wanted to mention um, is that the Milan Machinima Film Festival, which showcased your film, uh, Phil Obit, um, has also just um, completed uh, end of March. That is as we're as we're recording early April. Um, now, uh, they ran 25 films from nine countries um, and they were shown during this festival, which interestingly was a kind of um, mixed approach. Um, quite a lot of the films you can find online, but they also ran a programme in the local Milan um, uh, theatre, which of course, you know, most of us couldn't get along to, unfortunately, including the grannies that we talked about um, last month as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, the website showcases the interviews with these selected films and um, Phil also mentioned that last month so we'll share a link um, to those because some of those interviews are really quite interesting but the one I wanted to highlight was actually their Critics Choice Award um, which was given to uh, a name you've probably heard of um, for quite an interesting film. Um, now the guy uh, the guy's a guy called um, Sam Crane, and it's a recording of his attempt to perform Shakespeare in Grand Theft Auto online. <laughs> now, Crane, in case you don't know, is, is quite well known in a critically acclaimed um, professional actor. He's performed at the Globe, um, Shakespeare's home in London, various other theatres. Um, and he's recently been in things like Sister Boniface Mys Mysteries, Poldark, The Crown various other um, TV shows and whatnot. The, the machinima itself is called We Are Such Stuff As Dreams Are Made On. Uh, and what can I say about it? Well, it's absurdist performance art using Prospero's famous speech from The Tempest in Grand Theft Auto. Needless to say, <laughs> he gets wasted a lot in the process. And it's all about the wasting side of it, I'd say. Um, but what's kind of funny about it is that he's clearly not had enough of being wasted in Grand Theft Auto because what he's now trying to do is recruit some actors to do a full-scale performance of Hamlet in oh, Grand wow. Theft Auto for the wow. PS5. Um, unfortunately, I think by the time this episode goes out, you will have already missed the auditions 
um, because he's been um, touting for, for actors. Um, but I do think it's something to keep an eye on, um, not least because, um, you know, last year, I think it was September time, we dedicated a whole episode to classic machinima. And frankly, we found a real dearth of contemporary interesting pieces to discuss. So I, I would say it's with some anticipation, I yep. await this performance in due course. So we'll put a link um, to the, uh, you know, the Milan Festival's Critics' Choice. But with that uh, little um, backstory in our, in our minds, I think. So yeah, competitions. That's great. I, I know, I can't wait to see it. <laughs> I think it's going to be hilarious. I do too. <laughs> um, Okay, then the other news I've got is Draxter Dupre, who um, we will all know as this um, documentarian that we previously mentioned, uh, who, who creates documentaries about um, uh, residents in Second Life. These are, these are fab stories um, that he's released over the years. Well, now he's released a feature length um, film, uh, actually on the 2nd of April, I'm glad it wasn't the first comprising both machinima and real life footage. Now, what he's done is he's, he's captured footage in two very different virtual worlds, Second Life and Animal Crossing. Um, <laughs> and he's done it, um, he's, he's kind of captured all this, uh, this footage during the pandemic lockdowns. And then he's tried to do this really interesting comparison between these worlds intersected with people's real life reflections on their experiences. And obviously the point here is that Second Life has a, a history of what, 17 years of being this rich aesthetic creative space. Um, whereas Animal Crossing was released, what, 11 months ago? Um, and the documentary itself is an hour and a half long and Drax says it's, it's based on over a hundred hours worth of transcribed interviews um, through mm. which he's tried to weave this complex narrative, which is, is actually pretty astonishing stuff in itself. So if I give you a little bit of, a, of an overview of it, because I have sat and watched it. Um, uh, basically, it's this um, critical, what I'd call ethnographic analysis of how people have used these environments to live out these rich social experiences with their digital selves, whilst their physical selves have been locked up at home on their own, no escape and so on. And it's, it's basically like their worlds have been inverted and it features a whole bunch of really interesting folks, including the digital anthropologist, Tom Burstoff, whom you may have come across as the author of the book, Coming of Age in Second Life. Uh, and he apparently ran this regular meetup uh, in Second Life during, during and throughout the pandemic. And what's interesting, I think, is how these two very different environments, Second Life and Animal Crossing, have, have um, both enabled people really to find this you know, they found a sort of sense of peace and purpose uh, and a place to kind of emote and express themselves as well as to kind of socialize. Uh, and some in, in this documentary have referred to these um, spaces really interestingly as virtual drugs. And they yeah. describe it as akin to Soma in, in Huxley's Brave New World, which is a really interesting way of thinking about yeah. it, I think. Yeah. And I think also that what, what the documentary shows um, is, not only is it sort of shining this really bright light on the relationship between the virtual and the physical and the diversity of representations of roles and responsibilities that you might have in those kind of spaces, 
Um, but it's also showing the very clear differences between social media and virtual worlds as social spaces. I think they're very different things. Mm. Um, but on top of that, it's also showing the role of machinima itself, um, which once again can only, you know, it's the only tool really that you can use to capture virtual happenings and storytelling. Um, so, you know, it's not really very surprising, I think, that, that organisations like Meta have, have kind of decided that they want in on this, this act. Now, um, I would say um, Drax has put in a huge amount of work into this project, and it's important um, for Machinima, I think, as well, um, in highlighting its significance as a creative media format. And so, you know, the, the, whilst it's an hour and a half long, I would definitely recommend that anyone interested in machinima has a bit of a look through this um, documentary if you want to learn a little bit more about metaversal life what it what it can actually be um, and i i would say there are many many different forms of expression in this documentary and and how machinima is being used to document that is quite interesting um, what i particularly like about the way he's done it and i've not seen this done before um, <laughs> which I, which is one thing I would say about the editing of it, is that he's changed the sound of the speakers depending on whether they are speaking as an avatar or as a person on screen, within a screen, or direct to camera or in person. And, and it, so you've got the same person speaking in different ways to represent these different um, lenses, I think, that, that have roles in this documentary. Very interesting way that he's done it. But the other thing that I would say in this documentary, which is fascinating too, is there's this excerpt of these young creators, eight and 10 years old, I think they are, who are massive fans clearly of Animal Crossing. And one of them says to camera, the reason that she absolutely loves this world is because she can do things in there that you can't do in real life. She says, like make movies. And with that, she sort of picks up her her um, controller and with a couple of clicks shows you how to make a film huh. <laughs> so i'm saying good job kid that was yeah, that was yeah. amazing yeah. yeah so we'll put um a link to that in the in the show notes because cool. i think it's really fascinating stuff and and That's good job great. drax wow what a wonderful uh, collection of news you have this well this i've got month. one more piece if I, if you don't if you can bear with me one more piece <laughs> oh uh, sure yeah the unreal engine five now, I'm sure there's going to be nobody in the world that doesn't know that this has been released by the time our um, news segment goes out. Uh, it was released on the 5th of April, but alongside that, the Matrix Awakens experience was also released to PC. Yay. Um, it's a massive 86 gigabit um, download, though, um, which I guess is probably not. <laughs> not no, surviving. that's a lot. That's still a lot. Yeah. Is it a lot? It's 2022, yeah. but that's still a lot. Good Ooh. Lord. I can add something to this when, when you when you finish. So well, okay. Okay. Well, I was gonna say one thing I wanted to highlight about this though was um, you know, we we um uh <laughs> I mean this wasn't even as far as I'm aware on the slate when when we were talking to John Gator um a, a couple of months ago now. So um, I think it's quite interesting that they've they've released it um, finally, um, because of course you know one of the things here was that it was going to be used for creative potentially creative purposes. Um, 
and it was never going to be used for creative purposes on the on the PS5, uh, no matter how good you are at using that kind of platform, I think. So it's great to see it on the PC. Um, uh, what I wanted to put a link to in the show notes is a couple of little videos, um, one of which is showing you how you can um, do more with this kind of expansive open world, um, which is which is based on the, the Matrix aesthetic. Um, and I think it's quite clever in the, in the way that they articulate the Unreal 5 pipeline through the development in the way that they talk about it. So it's definitely mm. worth worth a watch I think yeah and the other thing I think that's quite interesting too is that they've put the playable assets thousands of them I understand it, um, such as um, vehicles and metahumans um, in the Unreal Marketplace as free downloads so you can go and pick oh, up whatever you, you, you kind of like and do whatever you, you want with it now literally as we are recording this is just five days after this thing was released and I was going to say I can't wait to see what new, story, uh, new stories folks tell with this world. But it seems that there are already a bunch of Superman-style fan videos <laughs> of folks flying around in this cityscape environment. Wow. And to be honest, I was kind of hoping for something a little more creative. Um, but I guess we're now going to see a bunch of tutorial-type videos, um, not least because they've created some really interesting developer tools on which folks can build their own content really quickly of which Lyra, I think, is particularly interesting. They're calling it a start again. I'd be really interested to see what you guys yeah. think about Lyra when you when you get a chance. Um, so again, what I'll say, I'll, I'll, I'll put, um, put in the show notes, I'll put the link to both Kim Library's keynote on this release and the um, the making of Matrix Awakens experience as, as well on the, on the show notes. And that's it for me this month. But what I want to oh. add to that is um, the way they've released Matrix Awakens on the PC is it's not actually called the Matrix Awakens, it's called the City Sample, because what they've done is, my understanding is the console version of it, it starts off with this uh, sort of interactive scene with Neo and Trinity, and we saw it in the, the videos for it. Yeah. They've taken that out. Um, so what you've got is, when that finishes, you then have the city to explore and have fun with. You just get that segment of it as a sample project in Unreal 5. So you don't get the matrix part of it. You just get the city to explore. And you can do everything you can uh, in the console version as part of that part. You just don't get the characters. I'm not sure quite why they haven't. Uh, my guess might be because of rights issues with their likenesses and stuff like that. And they don't want Probably, to play yeah. uh, For sure. Yeah. Um, but the 85 gigabyte download, this includes the Unreal 5 engine and the sample project. Ah. But what some fans have done is they've created an actual executable version of the city project, which is only 17 gigabytes. Ah, so if you just want okay. to play around the city, that's a bit more manageable. Um, I haven't had a chance to try it yet because the download sites for it has been overloaded. And <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, so I haven't been able to get a copy to play around with yet. So uh, uh, yeah. we'll see what happens with that. Thank, uh, hopefully next, that. by next time. Yeah, yeah, I just want to add that to it. It's, you don't get the Matrix part of it, just the, just the city yeah. simulation, which still looks very impressive. And I've seen some videos of people playing around with it. Yeah. And, uh, well, and that's uh, the most interesting part, really, isn't it? Sure, you know, sure. Yeah. To me. Absolutely. Quick note on Unreal 5, there have been some major uh, changes in it, uh, additions. They completely redid their lighting setup. They've, they've um, 
adjusted the interface, the Unreal interface. There's lots of uh, good videos on YouTube about introducing you to Unreal 5. If, if you've been afraid of Unreal 5, because um, Unity, I mean, obviously Unity, which is their uh, chief rival, is easier to use. Unreal is a bit harder. But I think Unreal 5 is a good place if you've been wanting to uh, learn Unreal, this would be a good uh, version of it to start with. Uh, because although the initial learning curve is a bit high, once you get over that threshold, it becomes very clear. And they, the, the marketplace, like, like uh, Tracy was pointing out, is filled with all sorts of free content. Um, it, it's machinima because it takes place in an Unreal Engine, and the rendering quality is just fantastic. So uh, this Unreal 4, we'll put a, definitely put a download link. So you, if you just want to try Unreal 5, lots of tutorials. Uh, we'll put that in the uh, show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Unity is still a, yeah. Unity is a great platform and they must, it, it, it's, I, I kind of picture like with this huge launch that Unreal 5 has had and the, the, the to call it buzz is you need a new word for, for mm. bigger than buzz, you know, it's unreal. It's like if they were characters in back to the future or something, uh, Unity's a nice guy. He's George McFly, you know. Hey there, and you know, Unreal Five is is Biff. You know, what are you looking at, butthead? You know, and not that they're mean, but just he's just this bigger than life guy that dominates the room, and that's 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 the kind of month and frankly year that Unreal Five has had. It's it's yeah yeah it's it's astounding. So I'm I'm looking forward to uh, yeah peeling back the wrapping paper on that for sure. One of the videos I saw earlier about the city um, sample and the guy playing around with it, he said this must be giving Rockstar a headache when they're working on GTA 6. <laughs> yeah, but... By the way, there have been some very interesting rumors about GTA 6, and they may be nonsense, but I'll just give you kind of a, a taste. Uh, one of them is that uh, Rockstar is aiming for uh, a a world size comparable to that of Earth, oh, like, wow. spanning multiple continents. Wow! Now again, completely unfounded. I don't know, but I think some of that is just looking at. Well, actually, one of the my film choice for uh, for next week is directly related to world sizes in games, and this the numbers there. It's just it's just mind blowing. Uh, what's what's being done in this this matrix uh, uh, city is a great example of just the kind of scale there is it was unimaginable just a few years ago you know mm -hmm. it's it's really very interesting uh, fascinating growth happening um, in that whole area yeah yeah I'll close and mention that unity uh, did recently release a real-time cinematic teaser uh, titled Enemies. It's absolutely gorgeous and like it's gotten completely overshadowed by Unreal Engine 5, but it's it's beautiful. It's just kind of a, a nice reminder that, wow, you know, Unity can really um, can really do some amazing stuff that's that's uh, in the same tier as the kind of content we, that we see come out of Unreal Engine. Um, I don't think they have the corporate adoption and uh you know unreal engine obviously is used in the shows that that 
uh, a lot of us like on uh, Disney Plus and whatnot, the mm-hmm. Mandalorian and that kind of thing. And that's going to propel uh, the, the evolution of that tech forward, I think, having those adopters. I don't know if Unity has anything comparable to that, but it's, it's still an amazing platform, uh, still low-cost entry to get involved with it. Um, I mean, technically, you can use it for free under, under most circumstances. So uh, we'll, we'll include a link to that enemy's uh, uh, teaser because I, I found it I found it fascinating. I don't I don't think if I'd been shown it and not been told that it was the Unity engine, I don't think I would have guessed that from looking at it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's very, very, very high end. Yeah, you're right. The buzz is more with Unreal, but Unity is still a very strong choice. It's Absolutely. got a better marketplace with cheaper products, lots of free stuff. If the learning curve is lower, um, you also have, uh, I don't want to say prof- less of a professional uh, user base because there are professional, but the, their focus is on making games, becoming a game maker. And whereas Unreal, you could still create games with Unreal, but it's Unreal has moved over into other areas, virtual production and things like that. Unity yes. has always stayed focused on game making. That's true. Um, so I think if you're at one of become a game maker or create machinima, Unity is a great platform to start. And it's essentially free. Now the cost is going to come in when you go, oh yeah, oh, that science fiction city. I got to have that science fiction city for 10 bucks. And then you say, oh, I've got to get that science fiction hallway. And pretty soon you got $50 worth of your science fiction set. So the, there is a cost. They, it's a great little... Um, a salesmanship where they they bring you in but the cost is low it's really right. low and it's really easy to use once you get the hang up and the community is strong lots of great tutorials it's still a very viable source uh, to to make movies to make games uh, to create content to do virtual photography it's great it's really great well i think that concludes our news episode uh, thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Oh, Phil, um, I have one last thing I wanted to say. Yeah, sure. Uh, excuse me for interrupting you. Uh, Tracy, you mentioned that the um, um, Matrix world was used by people to uh, uh, feel safe, you know, during Well, I have another alternative for feeling safe, and it's reading. <laughs> Read a book. Here, put it in front of your shirt because it's the... Uh... The background blur is making it. Uh... Anyway, there yeah. you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hi, Claudius. Hi, Claudius. If you want to feel safe and jump into a little world, read books. They're still yes. there. But some of those are scary, too. There's oh, they're wonderfully scary. so. There's wonderfully no scary so. In Iclon, other than political scary. But I just wanted to make that little announcement that reading is still a great thing. Yeah, I, I read uh, Solaris. Yes, how month. did that, that, what did you think? Loved it, loved it. Um, and it, 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 it is at points when you let your imagination take hold, it's, it, there's parts of that story that are really terrifying. Oh, um, yeah. But, but it's a wonderful, I don't know if it's classified as hard sci-fi, I don't really care about that line, but it, it's just a wonderful, really out there science fiction tale and a, a really insightful study of humanity, I think, of how we tend to behave when we encounter something we can't explain. 
just wonderful, better than any theology book I've ever read. Wow. Covering that topic, you know, but it's all in the context of these, these astronauts or cosmonauts. Uh, Wonderful. And I got that book, shameless plug from Ricky's paperback shop, which we'll include a link to that in there as well. Ricky's got a great collection of uh, very reasonably priced paperbacks and just wonderful diversity of selection. So yeah, if you're going to take Ricky's advice and get back into books, that's a great place to start. And the author of that book is Stanislaw Lem, who has a superb website, StanislawLem.com. Um, he passed away, but his reputation is steadily growing because during the sort of Cold War Red Scare, anybody who wrote in Eastern Europe uh, was considered to be communist. And so mm-hmm. they didn't publish them. He broke through the publishing um, ceiling back in the 80s. And now almost all of his books are in print and they're fantastic books. They're just great. I'm so glad you like Solaris. It's a great Yeah, book. I loved it. I loved it. And you're shipping all right, to so the we're UK. Gonna... What's that? It, Ricky's shipping to the UK, yeah? No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But for no. you, but for no. you, you, for contact, you contact me and I'll do it. But for most people, no, the shipping rates from America to UK are just out of sight. Oh, yeah. $6.95 for the book, $29.95 to ship. Yeah. Not good. And three weeks waiting. Yeah. I know. Well, we'd just like to make it clear that that Ricky's America first standard (laughs) is not the standard of the show in general. (laughs) That's right. I'm sorry. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you on the next episode where we talk about some films. We'll sign off now from me, Phil, Tracy, Ricky, and Damien. Thank you so much. A pleasure as always. Bye. 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 Keep reading.